following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Good afternoon, Twins territory. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. The sun is shining here in Seattle. Roof is open. Little Leaguers being paraded on the field right now as we are about an hour away from game time. Twins and the Mariners wrapping up this four-game weekend series. The Twins have never, never swept a four-game series in this city. Hopefully that will change behind Kyle Gibson coming up about an hour from now. Welcome to Inside Twins. I'm Corey Provis and our special guest joining us on our Sunday program. We welcome in the Twins Chief Baseball Officer. Always great to catch up with Derek Falvey. Derek, how are you? I'm doing well today, Corey. I uh, hope you're well. I'm doing fine and the team has been playing great and, and we made this point throughout the weekend that Tony Oliva has to come on every trip the rest I, of the way because they, they don't lose with him traveling. I, I told him, I said that he better uh, he better pack his suitcase because he's coming <laughs> the rest of the way. He's He's been fun to have around for a lot of reasons, you know, and, and we're excited about the chance for him to get down to uh, to Anaheim here and spend some time with Rod Carew. It'll be a cool cool experience to get those guys together. What, what was your role in all this happening with uh, Tony being on the on the trip? Uh, you know, my role was when it, when it came up as part of a conversation, I think Rocco and Derek Shelton and others had talked about it, said, well, it would be great. I mean, th for those who were around spring training, uh, the time that Tony and Rod got to spend together and their interactions every day on the field. They had as much fun as anybody, and I think that's pretty neat. So when this came up and, and was an option, I said, that's a no-brainer. You know, if he wants to come out to Anaheim and spend a few days and spend more time with Rod, unfortunately, Rod couldn't get up to our uh, early games this, this, this year. He was gonna, planning to come up around opening day. So this gives those guys an opportunity to get together. It's just a lot of fun. Correct me if I'm wrong. Baseball, and maybe they still are, Major League Baseball pretty strict with the amount of coaches and alums that you can have during a dugout you know not spring training but during the regular season have they have they eased off on those restrictions in more recent years you know it's it's certainly they don't want to let it get out of control ever for obvious reasons right you know you have a limit to the number of coaches each team has but i think this is one where you know we talk to the mariners and scott service and those guys it's kind of a, a mutual agreement that sometimes maybe the mariners are going to have a couple of you know alumni that are here that want to be in the dugout and we certainly give them that courtesy likewise and, and you know on the flip side that they did for us so i think it's just a matter of uh, understanding that tony's here it's a big part of the game it's, it's good for everybody to have him around uh, he's not necessarily breaking down every pitch and every pitcher. He's you know a part of our group certainly, but uh, they they are leaning on that, which is a good thing. Now Tony's watching a great team begin the season now. 45 games in, the Twins are 30 and 15. They've won a season high five straight games. The run differential now is up to plus 77 with this offense. As you and your staff were putting together projections for the season, even going back to February, March. You, you could not have foreseen this, right? Well, I, I would say offensively in particular, we knew that would be the strength of this club. I think both offense and defense. We thought we'd, we'd be a good fielding team as well. And uh, I think that the offensive contribution, uh, certainly probably the biggest surprise to me was we played some pretty tough weather games early in the season, you know, just average temps. And we all know that as the temps warm, that's usually when some of the balls start flying a little bit more. And uh, we, we actually just plowed through that stretch of our schedule, even in the tougher weather, uh, to score some runs. So I think we knew that we could be a, certainly a top 10 offense in, in baseball, uh, knew that pitching had to come along both in the starting rotation and the bullpen. But uh, I would say that these guys have exceeded everyone's expectations. Maybe 
maybe but their own. I mean, they, they went in and their plan was to compete every day and give themselves a chance to win, and they're doing that. Now, the top run scoring team in all of Major League Baseball right now, Twins at 258 runs. The home runs, we saw it again last night. Uh, six more in the game. Hit the uh, home run cycle for the second time in team history. A solo two, three run, and a grand slam. Twins up to 87 homers now as a team. They're on pace at about 300 here as the season uh, plays out. But uh, getting back to surprises, and maybe they aren't surprises, but certainly the, the production that the Twins have had from their catchers. Forget their defense with, with Garver and Castro and Ostadio. That's been a bonus. No question. You know, and you talk about surprises. That's an area that I, I certainly think that we would have loved to have uh, some offense. We, th we thought each of those guys certainly could produce at that position, but we all know at the major league level the catching position is not necessarily geared entirely toward offense. It's a lot toward defense, and we felt like each of those guys really took strides. I mean, we know what Jason was as a veteran catcher who knows what he's doing behind the plate, can help a pitcher through a game. Getting him back healthy was critical. Having a good offseason to get his legs strong and put himself in a good position was huge for him. But then you have guys like you know Mitch Garver and Williams Estadio who got experience last year at the big league level to learn a little bit more about this game and then have really productive offseasons. I think it, each, each guy has come in and, and contributed nicely. And I think one of the learnings might be that and we've always kind of viewed that, that you have a primary catcher guy who might start 110, 120 games over the course of 162, and then you know your backup catcher gets one out every five or six of those games. Uh, I would say that maybe you know one of the learnings is that keeping these guys fresh. I mean, catching is easily the most difficult defensive position on the field to play every day. Uh, that these guys are fresher and their legs are fresher, and it's worked really well. I give credit to to Bill Evers and the work he's done with our catching group, the pitching guys, our advanced team. Everyone's working together, and I think it's led to a good outcome. It's been a few days now since Garver's been outside line with a high ankle sprain. Now that you've had a few days to look at him, is he doing anything rehab-wise yet? And if so, can you now put any kind of time frame? Are we talking weeks? Are we talking months now with Garver? I think we, we probably got a little lucky, to be honest with you, and, and that's not saying uh, that a high ankle sprain isn't really a serious issue. I think you know, when everyone saw that slide into the foot there, it looked like his foot bent back, and we were worried about fracture or some type of tendon issue maybe requiring surgery. And fortunately for, for Mitch and for our club that you know he ends up with uh, something that seems manageable over the next few weeks. So he's back in Minnesota now. We didn't think it made any sense for him to fly and get on planes you know, with the infrastructure inflammation in the ankle so he's working with our our rehab folks Jeff Lottie and our, our guys back in Minnesota to just make sure that we get the swelling out you know do the same thing that anyone else would do if they had an ankle sprain at home just get off it for a little while and then eventually we're going to start doing some range of mo motion and and movement work to make sure that his ankle is getting better but right now you know he's still off his feet we're probably going seven to ten days from date of injury before we really try and put some pressure on it uh, and I would say then we'll have a better idea of timeline. Nelson Cruz was also put on the injured list this week, and from chatting with Rocco even earlier in the week during the Angels series at Target Field, there seemed to be some optimism that an IL stint was not going to be necessary in the end. Why was that call made? Yeah, we were hopeful. Certainly, Nelly was the first one who wanted to play. And you can think for a lot of reasons, having played here in Seattle before. Uh, when we got him a, a chance to, he's been just battling a little bit of wrist soreness. Fortunately for us, the MRI showed everything was clear. But to get him a, you know, a cortisone injection there and make sure that we give him a few days to let it calm down, he was hopeful that that would be after 72 hours ready to go. He was still a little bit sore, and we just said, rather than push him through it, let's try and knock this thing out. You know, bring up a player during the course of this stretch and through the Angel Series. The benefit, though, is when we put him on the DL, we could backdate it 
three days, which allowed us to capture three of those 10 days while he's down. So he'll be eligible to come off when we return home to Target Field. Not so much with Nelson, but Garver's injury. Did that expedite Miguel Sano's arrival? Because I believe his 20 days would have expired today. That's right. So a decision would have had been made regardless on that. But did that... Did that clear a path for him to join his team sooner rather than later? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. You know, when you look at, we knew that we were going to have to make a decision by Sunday in terms of his return uh, to play here. Uh, you, you hope that our plan all along was to get him as many at-bats as possible, to get his feet under him, make sure that he felt like his timing was getting better, he'd, he'd see some pitchers. Uh, we weren't sure at that time, especially with Garver healthy and others, uh, how that would work right when he came back in terms of everyday at-bats. So our intention was to maximize that rehab assignment, get him fully ready before bringing him back well you know the reality is that you, know, you have to deal with changes every day in these in these things and we felt like he was going to be able to get those at bats when he came back which he certainly has since he's been here so it's good to see him he's in a good place I think we got to continue to uh, develop him in, in terms of making sure that he's ready to go on an everyday basis so Rocco's going to do a good job of rotating him in and out and using some other guys he's DH some days he'll play third some days so uh, he's in a good place and Miguel back in the lineup today hitting six the third base Miguel three for 13 a home run a couple of doubles, three RBIs so far to start his season. Certainly off to a nice start. Miguel Sano back with the team. We'll take a break, come back. We will get into Luis Arise, whom the Twins added to the roster just a few days back. And Luis is in the lineup today, his first big league start. Why him? What this means for others? Also, some pitching thoughts from Derek as well coming up. Inside Twins Live from Seattle continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Mariners coming up at 310 Central Time. It's Kyle Gibson today for the Twins. And you see Kikuchi opposing for the Mariners. Twins see their third straight left-handed pitcher in this series. The Twins added a body whom we saw last night, Derek, as uh, Luis Arais made his uh, Major League debut, his second at bat, double to left center field. With Nelson going out, I'm sure he had some options. It wasn't so much position you were looking for. Was it more productivity, and that's why Luis got the call? Yeah, well, combination. You know, I, I would say that we talked before uh, before Luis went up to AAA. He was in Pensacola playing for our AA club and moved up to Rochester. We knew he was ready. I mean, this guy's uh, at-bats are, are major league caliber. Just his, And we saw that in spring training. You know, he takes really good at-bats, uh, can spray the ball the other way, uh, can play good defense. Probably natural position is at second, but as we saw last night, played some short. He's done that plenty in the minor leagues. Can go play third and left as well. So he was a guy who we felt like could add to our infield depth. And with Marlon Gonzalez playing the way he was playing and the ability to run him out to the outfield some, it was a value add for us to have an infielder. But he was he was ready to come up, and we were we were excited to see him. Yeah, the Twins shift, they're among the higher, you know, shifting teams in baseball. You know, for Luis, how much was he doing that, and are the minor league teams doing that at the rate the Twins are up here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to get guys. One thing I heard years ago, and I, I, I totally subscribe to this, never have anybody do something for the first time at the big league level. You know, like get them experience, whether it's coming out of the bullpen as a pitcher or you know playing a position and, and, and at the big league level that they aren't normally playing. You want to get them exposure and experience in other places. And Luis has ha had that experience of, of moving around in the diamond, uh, certainly in different shift positions and, and, and at different positions within the infield. So he's ready to go just about anywhere, and uh, he's, a, he's an exciting player to watch. Yeah, we were talking late last night, even with Luis in the game, about hypotheticals and had Nick Gordon not been back on the IL, a guy that began the year hurt but came back and was really swinging the bat well at Rochester. Now he's sidelined again with an abductor strain, I believe. 
but could this have been a spot for Nick if he did stay healthy to come up and, and play here? Definitely. I mean, we feel like we have a few options down there. Certainly, Jake Cave's been up here a decent amount. We felt like for him, the best thing was to get some regular routine and at-bats down there just to get his get him rolling. We know he's going to contribute to what we're doing up here uh, this year. Uh, Nick is somebody who we feel really strongly about, who has ability, who's on the roster down there. Uh, we're, ha we're happy he's back and playing. Uh, and healthy, and, and certainly, unfortunately, just that, that strain that he had, which shouldn't sideline him very long, kind of took him out of play for this. So, yeah, we have a number of options that we were looking at, but we felt like Luis was the best fit. Kyle Gibson on the mound today for the Twins. Gibson overall 4-1 and one ERA has been dropping down, down to the low fours. And you go back and look at Gibson's start to the season, Derek, his first three starts, you know, maybe some bad habits he fell into from 2016 to 17, but the last five have been pretty good. Yeah, you know, I... I I heard this from a pitcher years ago, and I remember it really stuck with me. Uh, it was someone who had pitched for a long time in the major leagues, and he said, you know, if you make 30 to 35 starts over the course of a year, there are going to be 10 where you have your stuff. You're feeling great. Your mechanics are good. Everything's going great. Uh, you know you're out there. You can pitch any pitch. Then there's another 10 where maybe you're missing one pitch or two pitches, and, and you've got to try and find a way to grind through it. He said, but there's another 10 altogether where – Things are just out of whack, and you've got to find a way to survive them and keep fighting and battling through it through an outing. And I think Kyle probably went through a few of those 10 early on this season where he just didn't mechanically feel quite where he needed to be. He was a little behind, you know, coming into spring training because of uh, because of the sick, uh, what he was dealing with going into spring training. So I think that he's just far, found a rhythm, and he said he's found some things mechanically that we certainly saw produce some good results up in Toronto, and hopefully he'll carry that forward. I imagine, too, because he had that, that label, and a, a label that no pitcher wants, and that is a nibbler, right, for such a long time, and, and he, he shed that at the end of 17 and had a great 2018. Have you seen more attack? Have you seen more poise here from Kyle the last month, month and a half? Definitely. He knows what his plan should be, and, and you know, you talked about nibbling a little bit. There are times any pitcher gets into a little bit of a, uh, a pattern of maybe they're just being a little too fine and not attacking on the plate. I think Kyle knows what his stuff is and how to use it, and uh, we're seeing him attack the zone again. We definitely saw it going back to that Toronto start. It's it's carried forward since, so he knows what his pitches are, and I, you know, he's a veteran guy who knows how to attack hitters, and I'm I'm sure he'll go do that today. And Williams Ostadio will catch Gibson for the start today. Are there numbers that you and the staff look at that that prove that Ostadio is improving at game calling? and pitch selection, not just the framing and all that behind the plate, but the actual game calling. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, it's kind of a combination of, you know, you talk about some of the numbers, but you talk about the feel too. You know, Wes Johnson and Bill Evers and our advanced crew all get together and they talk game plan, you know, with the starter, with with the backup catchers, uh, you know, the starting catcher and the backups, when, even when we've had all three. And so they all work together around plan. And then our advanced group, while they're sitting in there watching the game, they kind of see how well do we track relative to what we were trying to do. And sometimes, you know, you've got a perfect plan, you're trying to execute it, you miss a pitch. It happens, right? And then, you know, the, the results are, are not what you're looking for or vice versa. Sometimes you go away from the plan, you know, and you're getting results. So I think it's just a matter of always reviewing. This is one of the really great things about what Bill Evers and Wes and the, that group is doing is we're constantly evaluating, hey, what have we done? What can we do better? And, and, and what are ways we can communicate better? And I think the pitchers appreciate having that constant flow and dialogue going back and forth between catchers, coaches, and, and pitchers. With how well the, the three-man catching rotation has been working, I think much of it 
can be connected to how Castro has been playing with the bat, that he's not out there every single day, that there have been times for him to rest. We attempted to go down that path in some way to add that third catcher to keep this rotation moving forward? You know, it's certainly a good question. I, you know, it's something we've learned a little bit about. Not a lot of teams go three, and we talked in spring training. We felt we could do it, you know, a lot a lot because uh, we know Williams Estadio can go play other positions, so he, catching is one of his positions. Quite frankly, Mitch Garver has played some first base and left field as well, so we knew he could do that. But I, I would say that for us right now, you know, those two guys are going to take on the lion's share of the load. It doesn't mean we wouldn't think about that in the future. Uh, hopefully we get Mitch back soon enough where we don't have to worry about it but I would say that for us right now uh, this two catcher tandem you know these guys are such good uh, leaders they connect so well with our pitchers I think I think we're set up really well for now I will take a break come back we have one last segment coming up with Derek Falvey next it's Inside Twins brought to you by Killiber Root Beer live from Seattle on your home for Twins Baseball Final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Probe is back with Derek Falvey. Shifting now to the bullpen, some moves were made this week. Trevor Hildenberger was sent down. Addison Reed was DFA. Let's begin first with Reed. Signed a two-year deal. Uh, got off to a real nice start in 2018. Then the, the productivity tapered off. And then he got hurt in spring training. Did that set him back even more? Yeah, I think, you know, Addison certainly going back to last year, you talked about he started off pretty well. Uh, he dealt with a, a strain, you know, early in the, or mid, midway through, I guess, the year last year uh, and just never really fully recovered for us here. And, and, and unfortunately for Addison, you know, he's healthy now and, and we certainly hope that a good offseason of rest recovery come into spring training, being in a good spot would really help him out. Um, and just unfortunately, he hasn't really rebounded. So uh, we felt like out of respect to him as a you know veteran guy, just with where we are, we knew where this was headed. You know, could it have gone longer in the rehab stint potentially? But you know, looking at what we were looking at, trying to figure out what the likelihood of him contributing here in the short term was, we just felt we owed it to him to, to talk to him and his agent about uh, about getting him a potential release here. So he's a you know great guy. Um, and it, I'm, I'm, I want him to be successful going forward, but it hasn't just worked out for us. Did the velocity just never come back? I think that was a big part of it. You know, certainly if you look at uh, the late portion of last year and then you look at spring training this year and what has transpired so far, he just hasn't thrown the ball as hard as, as what would ne be necessary for him to get the uh, – get the hitters up here right now. But, you know, it's not to say that he can't go work and, and get some of that back, but it hadn't yet. And as for Trevor Hildenberger, a guy that when the season began, it seemed like he was coming in all the time with the bases loaded and did a really good job. But then a lot of contact, right, that the sinker wasn't as, yeah. as strong as, as you've seen it in the past. Uh, in the end, why was that decision made? This yeah, week? Hildy, you know, he's had a little bit of a rough go. You know, as you said, the first couple of weeks in the season, he was coming in and getting some big outs for us. Uh, he went through a stretch there where it just seemed like even when he was ahead in the count, you know, and, and he just couldn't finish off a couple of those hitters. Part of that is you know, Trevor's a guy, he's, he's a low-slot right-hander with not uh, necessarily high-velocity stuff. So command and movement of his pitches and knowing what he's trying to do and attack his plan is really important. And he got away from that a little bit, and now it's an opportunity to reset. I will say this. When you send a guy down to the minor leagues and you sit down there and you talk with him and you talk about plan going forward, you know, Trevor couldn't have been more professional and accountable and said, listen, I'm not pitching well enough right now. i got to figure this out, but I'm, I'm coming back here to help this club, and I have no doubt he's going to. But it's nothing that you want to change with pitch selection. It's just more of a mechanical tweak here and there or a release? Or yeah, there's times, you know, with him with him with the lower slot, there's some times where he gets a, he gets a, it creeps up on him a little bit, you know, his arm slot does, and ball changes a little bit of the, the movement pattern that it would otherwise have. He knows it. He knows exactly what his plan should be. So he's just got to get into a, a little bit of a rhythm down there. This is an opportunity sometimes to catch your breath. You know, you got 162 games, go down to the minor leagues, take a deep breath, you know, work on some things, try and 
finish executing what you need to execute, and then come back up here and help us. And Austin Adams is here, made his Twins debut last night, a guy that you knew from your days in Cleveland? Yeah, Austin's somebody I know going back to when, uh, when he was drafted, and he was a two-way guy. He was actually a shortstop and, and uh, pretty good pitcher, started for a long time, big-time velocity, always had. I remember seeing 97 to 100 in the tank pretty regularly. He got hurt, uh, had some had some struggles coming back from that. And he's a, cre a credit to him. He went and pitched an independent ball, uh, worked his way back. And we signed him as minor league free agent this offseason, hoping that he could provide some depth to us in the event that we had some slowdown or injuries or otherwise. And he talked talk to Joel Skinner, Stu Kleiber, and those guys down at AAA. He, he had done a great job for them. I think his slider, as you saw last night, has been a little more effective. I think his fastball command's getting better. I mean, he's a guy who you never know with relievers at different times in their careers. Sometimes they figure it out a little later, and, and we hope he has. Assistant pitching coach Jeremy Hefner told me today that he heard that Adams could throw a football 60 to 70 yards. Yeah, I, I've seen that. He's he probably got his he's got better arm action with a football than a baseball. <laughs> so I would say that you know sometimes that's probably a good thing for him just from a training standpoint. But he uh, he's got a pretty good arm, no question. All right, 13 15 for the Twins here. Have about a minute left in our show. It'll be Gibson and Kikuchi coming up as this series wraps up today. The Twins have never swept a four-game series here in Seattle. They've outscored the Mariners 36-11. Thought this would be maybe a high-scoring series, but the Twins pitchers, for the most part, have done pretty well. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at each guy. He's come out and, and, and followed the other, you know, and trying to just kind of stay ahead because we know our offense can give us some runs. And Kikuchi's a good one today. This is going to be a tough test. I mean, he's probably the best one we've seen up here so far. And, uh, and I think that Kyle's going to have to match him. But uh, we feel like we, we can score some runs and stay in the game with anybody. Derek, thanks for the insight. Always appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we thank Derek Falvey for joining us here on our Sunday show. Roof is open. We have sunshine and a lovely day. Temperatures right now at 63 degrees. Twins and the Mariners coming up in just a bit. Coming up momentarily, today's Edina Realty pregame show with Chris Atterbury. And then we'll have game four twins at 30 and 15. They have won 30 games so far this season. To put that into perspective, last year the Twins won their 30th game, their 66th game of the season. That came back in mid-June. Stay tuned. Chris is standing by. Today's pregame show is next. We thank you for listening. Stay tuned. More to come right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.